Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Dawson Church. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. book, The Genie in Your Genes, which is all about the science of epigenetics, we show that these intergenerational patterns, intergenerational behaviors, so my mother was paranoid, so I'm paranoid, and my children are paranoid, or depressed, or anxious, or unhappy, or bad with money, or bad at relationships. Um, We used to think of these as behavioral cues that are passed along, and they are. They're conditioning. They're conditioning from our environment when we were very small. For example, if you were in a family where uh, there was a lot of conflict and fighting, then you learned early on when your brain was forming that conflict goes along with family. And then you tend to reenact that unconsciously in your adult life. But in The Genie in Your Genes, I cover the research showing that it's not just behavioral or cultural. It's actually genetic. And it's actually turning certain genes on and off epigenetically. In other words, not from within the DNA, but from outside the DNA. And so research shows that, for example, the grandchildren of people who survived the Holocaust in World War II have the same epigenetic molecular tags as Holocaust survivors themselves. So these things are being passed along in our lives, not just behaviorally and culturally, they're literally being passed along as tags that govern gene expression. And so it is extremely difficult to escape the, the, the pull of the lessons you learned, especially in early childhood. In, in the first two years of life, the brain is developing. It's building neural pathways. We're basically, in my books, I talk about the brain waves we're in then, which are theta and delta, the two slowest waves. And those are the same waves adults are in when they're in trance, when they're in deep sleep, and when they're in super learning states. And so for the first few years of our lives, we are literally in a super learning trance, picking up all these messages from mother, father, uncle, aunt, people around us. And so these are not thoughts or beliefs. These are literally pathways in our brain's learning centers, and it is extremely difficult to change them later on. So... This sounds very interesting, right? So when you were a child, did you already know what it, what you wanted to do with your life? Well, there's a, a balance between accepting the things that work for you and then really saying that certain things you're seeing around you don't work for you and then, then changing them. And I, I did, I, I really, I really was kind of a, an aimless person for you know, a couple of decades, Maurice, I, I did not have a st- sense of destiny. I had a recurring dream in which I was standing in front of a huge audience. I was like at a, a podium and there was a, an audience of thousands of people in front of me. And I stood there staring at them in panic because I had nothing to say. And so my life narrative for the first decades of my life was that uh, I had very low self-esteem and my, my life narrative was that I had nothing to say. And so I became a book publisher. I was publishing the books written by the people. And my thought was I'm a manager, I'm a publisher, 
I'm a, uh, I'm a facilitator, but I have nothing to say. And then when my first book came out, called Soul Medicine, um, people really responded. When my second book came out, Gene in Your Genes, it became a bestseller. And people, suddenly I was speaking to large audiences, and they were hanging on my every word. And I was getting invitations to keynote conferences, and I was getting invitations to, to lead workshops. And I wound up, I've now been for more than 10 years, 15 years or so, uh, been uh, a really regular speaker at all these centers like Omega Institute and Esalen and 1440 Multiversity. And so it's gone from being, having nothing to say to discovering as I discovered my own inner core that I had a lot to say. So I think, think that early childhood, there was a recurring dream of being in front of thousands of people. And now in, in this part of my life, it's been wonderful to discover that I can inspire people they inspire me. I can share the findings of science with them. And that often motivates them to really shift their lives. So I think that I, I didn't know early on that I, I, I really had a shift later in my life. And that's shaped my whole subsequent path. Wow. So what inspired you to write your recent book, Mind to Matter, that was published with Hay House? disbelief Maurice I, I didn't really believe it <laughs> I was all all this stuff about your thoughts create your reality so like my, my wife listens to uh, Esther and Abraham Hicks and um, the they, they talk about in these audio tapes you listen to how your thoughts create your reality and I thought well that's a nice metaphysical idea but there's no scientific merit to that. And so as a researcher, I, began to, I, I said to myself, well, well, is there? Is there any science showing our thoughts create our reality? So you had to look at one piece of science, another piece of science, talked to some of my colleagues and uh, looked into the research and began to discover that in really obvious ways, our thoughts do create our reality. So I, I phoned a publisher friend of mine. I was on the call from the friend, publisher friend of mine talking about maybe doing a new book with him. And he hated the idea of the new book that I, 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 I talked to him about. But I mentioned to him about this other idea about Mind to Matter. And he said, wow, now that could be a fabulous book. And so I began to look deeply into the science behind that. And obviously, our, you know, our, our minds do create our reality in terms of molecules in our bodies. If I have a negative thought, I create cortisol and adrenaline and stress molecules, and I destroy DHEA and immunoglobulins and all kinds of uh, helpful hormones and, and molecules and enzymes. So obviously, my negative thoughts are affecting my body, and I'm literally creating molecules with negative thoughts. And the counterpart is if I'm thinking positively, I'm creating positive molecules in my body like DHEA and oxytocin, all these this wonderful set of biological building blocks that, that when I'm happy, make me healthy. So that, that part, that's the first half of mind to matter, is what we create in our bodies when we change our consciousness and we become positive rather than negative, we become compassionate rather than selfish, we become altruistic rather than narcissistic. And so the whole first part of the book is changing your consciousness and the absolutely massive effects it has in your body. And I'll give you just one example of this is a study I did with about 40 people at a retreat center for one week. So we had people there hooked up to EEGs, meditating in the morning, 
doing EFT, acupressure tapping in the afternoon. And then we measured their brain waves. We measured their cortisol. We measured their immunoglobulins. And their immunoglobulins are a marker of immune system function. And, and we found, Maurice, that between day one and day five, that over the course of those five days, their baseline of cortisol dropped by 37%. So an enormous drop in these hormones of stress, which corrode your body. Cortisol, high cortisol over time produces uh, uh, degradation of bones, weakening of muscles, loss of skin, elasticity. It produces all kinds of bad effects in your body if you have lots of cortisol. Then we found that over the course of that same week, their immunoglobulins, their immune markers rose by 113% in just a week. So those are the kinds of radical effects that mind consciousness is having on your body. But it turns out that consciousness also affects the world around you. So in the second half of Mind to Matter, I cover research showing that when we are shifting our awareness, for example, into gratitude, thankfulness, joy, and the intention of healing, we're able to literally change the properties of water. The molecular bond between the big oxygen atom, H2O, so when we are in that state of gratitude, of thankfulness, of high intention, it literally changes the angle of the molecular bond between that oxygen atom and the two hydrogen atoms. Just one example of many of how when our awareness shifts, our consciousness shifts, our mind shift, we are literally changing the molecules of water in the environment around us. So Dawson, can anyone create their own material reality or is this something that only a few people have access to? Oh, what a fabulous question, Maurice. Uh, yeah. So there are people who are extraordinary creators. And I tell lots of stories in the book. And like one of the people I'll, I can just think about off the top of my head, who's a brilliant creator is Jack Canfield. And he's the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and also the author of the book, The Success Principles, is a close friend of mine. And when Jack has an intention, you can put money on it. That's going to happen. Other people have great intentions and their intentions don't manifest. And so I took a, a, a look in chapter five of my book, Mind to Matter, into the difference between the Jacks of this world and another woman who I call Mary, who has really high intentions, but none of her intentions ever manifest. So what's the difference between a Jack, where if he has an intention, it's going to happen, and a Mary, she has an intention, strong intention, it never happens. And the answer turns out to be measurable by science. And it turns out to be brain coherence. So I have a, a EEG readout of two people side by side, one with a coherent brain, one with a non-coherent brain. And the illustration I use in the book is light. If you take 60 watts of light in a light bulb, screw it into a light socket, turn it on, it spreads light. That 60 watts can illuminate a room. It's really useful. But that's non-coherent light. All those light waves are bouncing around. In, not, they aren't in phase. They aren't in rhythm. They aren't running parallel to each other. They're just randomly just shooting out from that light bulb in this non-coherent light. But if you take that same 60 watts of light and organize that light into coherence, where all the waves of light are now in parallel, that is 
light in phase. And in coherence, that same 60 watts of light, it's a laser. And that same laser, that same amount of water, 60 watts, if it's organized into coherence, can cut through a sheet of steel. That's the difference between coherence and non-coherent waves. And when I look at the EEG readouts of people who are like Mary, who can't make anything manifest, her brain waves are non-coherent. When I look at the waves of a Jack Canfield and hook him up to the same device, an EEG or an MRI, and we look at their brain waves, they have highly coherent brain functions. So yes, anyone can do it, but you can do it when you're in coherence. And the good news is you can train yourself to be in coherence. Even if you have a non-coherent mind, in Mind to Matter, I have instructions for how to literally train yourself to be in that coherent state. So that's what I was getting at. Uh, so there is a way that someone who is not functioning at the optimum level to get what they really desire, there's a way to train themselves in order to get that. That's absolutely right. You can train yourself to do that. So is, uh, does it take a long period of time, the training part? Well, when people listen to my guided meditations, we found some scientific ways of cueing the brain and body. And we, like I'm, I'm teaching retreat in a, in a few days' time. In the retreat, the first morning, it'll take us about four minutes to get into brain coherence. By day three, it'll be about uh, 90 seconds. So you can do it in under a minute with, with training. But the first time you're doing it with, with one of my guided meditations, it's usually about four minutes to induce that state. Now, with practice, it gets quicker. And um, you can learn to do it really quickly. Like this morning, I had a bunch of things going on. I had five minutes to meditate. So in one minute, I was in coherence and then four minutes in deep, deep state. So, yeah, you, you can learn to do it quick, quickly. Great. So can you talk a little about neural networks? Neural networks are, are ways in which the brain organizes itself. And so we used to think in terms of brain regions. In neuroscience, you hear a lot 10, 20, 30 years ago about this brain region does this, this brain region does the next thing. But we now have a more sophisticated understanding of brain function. We realize that um, the brain functions not in terms of regions only, but in terms of networks. Just for example, one network that really sabotages people's coherence is called the default mode network. And it's composed of two parts of the brain, one right behind your eyebrows called the mid prefrontal cortex, Another in the back of your head called the posterior cingulate cortex. And these two parts of the brain are what's called the default mode network. And so when that default mode network is on, and this is the, this is the default to which the brain goes when it's not doing a task. So when you or I aren't doing, doing stuff, if we aren't driving and navigating our way through an unfamiliar neighborhood, when we aren't composing an email, writing a blog, doing this broadcast, when we're just daydreaming and goofing off, our brains default to those brain regions being on. So those are brain networks that are on. And the default mode network actually is very focused on, on helping you survive by doing two things. Your brain defaults, it's called the brain's negativity bias in terms of behavior, but the brain defaults to thinking about 
bad stuff that happened in the past, because that's what kept your ancestors safe. So you think about the tiger that almost ate you 10 years ago and how you escaped, and also how you'll escape from a possible tiger tomorrow. So the default mode network is hyper-focused on bad stuff from the past and bad potential stuff from the future. And that's what it just focuses on all the time. So you have to learn to quiet down that brain network and then light up the circuits of happiness and positivity and joy. And in long-term meditators, when they're hooked up to brain scanners, we show that they quiet the default mode network. They aren't obsessed with the past and the bad stuff of the past. They aren't ruminating on the misery that might await them in the future. They're in the present moment and they're happy. So with practice, you literally learn to shut down those brain networks that rob you of peace of mind, like the default mode network, and you learn to engage the circuits of happiness, peace, and joy. And again, it's totally trainable. You can train yourself to do that. So can you talk about your concept, the software of mind becomes the hardware of brain? This is so cool, Maurice, because in chapter one of Mind to Matter, I tell the story of a TV reporter called Graham Phillips. And he had heard about the benefits of meditation never been a meditator himself, but heard it benefited people. So he decided to make himself the subject of his own documentary. And he took his whole TV crew with him into a lab. And they spent a lot of time and attention. And he got high resolution MRIs of every single part of his brain. Also a bunch of behavioral tests and neurological tests. And so before he learned to meditate, he had this complete workup where they measured each region of his brain. He then began to meditate, and he spent eight weeks on a mindfulness program. After only two weeks, he found his whole behavioral pattern was changing. He was more patient, more tolerant, more kinder. And so after eight weeks, he went back in the lab. They measured his brain again, and they found that in only eight weeks, Several parts of his brain had grown. Parts of the brain to do with happiness, to do with, with control had grown. But the part of the brain that grew the most was a little sliver of tissue in the middle of the brain, a little C-shaped C, C sliver called the dentate gyrus. And in eight weeks, his dentate gyrus grew by 22.8%. And that's a massive amount of brain tissue to grow in only eight weeks. And so 22.8% increase in, in, in the dentate gyrus. And the dentate gyrus's job is to coordinate emotional regulation among multiple brain regions. It's what keeps you calm in traffic or when you're in a line or stuck somewhere you, you can't get out of. The dentate gyrus keeps you calm. So it governs emotional regulation. So we had 22.8% more neurological tissue governing emotional regulation in just eight weeks. So that's how quickly the software of mind, the software of consciousness is actually building the hardware of brain. And while you might look the same after eight weeks or eight months or eight years, you will be different inside your skull. You'll have a whole different brain than if you keep on reenacting 
all that non-coherent brain function you have now. So yeah, literally, you are becoming a different person neurologically. You're also becoming much happier, much more resilient than you were before. And so now when you're faced with losing your job, an economic slump, uh, conflict at work or in your marriage or in school or with your kids or with your parents, whatever's going on around you, you are resilient because it's not just software anymore. It's not just thought. It's literally the hardware of your brain. That is fabulous. So if someone wanted to get in contact with you for your services, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Maurice, I'd love to invite people to download free meditations, also download the free EFT tapping mini manual. And you can do all of that at my website. It's my, it's my name, Dawson, and then GIFT, G-I-F-T. So D-A-W-S-O-N, Dawson, GIFT, because there are about 25 different GIFTs on that, that page you get to that. So DawsonGIFT.com, and there you can download a couple of chapters of Mind to Matter. You can download meditations. You can download a mini manual, all kinds of other useful links, all at DawsonGIFT.com. This is fabulous. So to end, what valuable piece of information would you like to leave with our audience? I know throughout your life, you've learned things throughout each stage of your life, but what would be your one to grow on? Love and accept yourself. Just be kind to yourself. I, I do a lot of live workshops and often people, when they volunteer to work with me up front in front of the room, they have so many stories in their heads about self-criticism, not being enough, fears, all kinds of ways of stopping themselves being happy. And just loving yourself, letting go of, of all of that worry about self. Uh, the default no mode network is hyper-focused on self and to just breathe, be kind to yourself and let go. So a lot of these methods have that is their, their, their core focus is be kind to yourself, love yourself, let yourself off the hook and give yourself that full potential that you were born to live. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.